podcast where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Jason Burton. Coach Burton is the head coach for the women's program at Texas A&M Commerce. We talked to him today about working on player relationships, living the right way, making everyone around you better, and being organized. It's also worth noting that recently, Coach Burton became the winningest coach in program history. I hope you enjoy this podcast and we look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Hey, I appreciate you having me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm excited to be on. So thanks for having me. No, thank you for taking the time. I mean, I hate to get in between, you know, a 15-0, 16-0 run for y'all, but uh, kind of had to stop you there and, and kind of talk to you about that as well because that's phenomenal, Coach. I mean, to be able to, to get on that kind of run and, uh, you know, just – to be in stride like that, that's a, that's a, to me, that's a that's a zone and that's a stride that even at some point, if you drop one, it ain't going to matter because you're still striding. And, and I think that's uh, that's a place most coaches wish they could be at 15 to know or whatever. Like, that's yeah, just yeah. phenomenal. So kind of where, where are you at right now with that? Like, how, how are you feeling about that? Uh, man, we, yeah, so we're, we're 15 and 0 right now. And, and uh, no, I got to be honest, a little surreal just because, um, you know, we haven't done anything differently. I, I, we're, we've been doing it the same way for, this is my sixth year here. And, and we just put in the work, man. We put in the work, we prepare, uh, we recruit, but we've kind of done the same thing year in, year out. I just feel like, you know, it takes time to build a culture. It takes time to do things the right way. Yeah. But over time, um, you know, the right pieces have gotten placed. The, the right staff is here the right players are here. And I think also it, it, things just have to align. You know, we haven't really had any major injuries um, and we're a deep team and, you know, the schedule lined up the way it did. And, and uh, uh, I mean, we're clicking on all cylinders right now, but I, I, it's not just a one season thing, man. This, this is, this is years in the making to, to get to this point, man. And it's, it's, it's really kind of fun just to see it all unfold and, and uh, to see the team. I, I think I, I just can't talk enough about the culture, man. Our our players just really like each other, yeah. um, and it it's it makes a huge difference when they do. Um, when they don't care about individual success, when they just they want to see each other win, they want to see each other succeed. Um, it, it makes a huge difference, and that's probably the biggest difference with this team than any other team I've been a part of. That's fantastic, Coach. I really do appreciate you kind of opening up on that because uh, I think. The way way it's going, I think you're gonna get a lot of phone calls to try to figure out, hey, how'd you get, how'd you do that? Uh, it really is like a like a like you said, years in the making. Kind of one of those just having patience, and uh, you know, here you talked about culture. We talk about culture a lot on, on this podcast because it, I think culture is everything at the end of the day. Especially when you talked about recruiting, recruiting the right people, right players. Uh, bringing in people to a culture that is a culture of winning and expectations to win, uh, that that says a lot and uh, and it sets the tone. And, and when guys come in or girls come in or whoever comes in, an, an assistant, an, you know what I mean, a GA, whoever comes in, they have that uh, that already 
not even a preconceived notion. They know for sure this is happening. And right. you get on board or, or jump off of me. You know what I mean? But it's, it's no question. Good stuff, Coach. So I'm going to open it up like I always do. And that, how are you introduced to the game of basketball, Coach? So I'm the youngest of three, man. And, and uh, you know, my family is, is – uh, we're originally from Flint, Michigan. And so there's, you know um, – it's kind of a basketball city right there, yeah. and uh, um, but just growing up with with two older brothers, and and that's what they did. Um, even as we moved different places, we moved to Texas. Um, I had two older brothers that were that basketball was what they did, and I, I looked up to them, I idolized them, I wanted to be like them, um, and I had it out at an early age. Like my goal was always to try to be better than them. It was just a competitive household, and so. You know, naturally, my oldest brother, my two older brothers are, are playing basketball. I want to play basketball, not just do I want to play. I want to play basketball. I want to be better at them, better than them. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of how I started out and, and uh, just going to my oldest brother's games. And my oldest brother got all the height. He's 6'8". He's six wow. years older than me, uh, Darian. And then my, my middle brother is, is three years older than me. He's also a college coach. Um, and then me. And so we were all. Uh, but I, I grew up watching his games and, and idolizing him. And then I got a chance to kind of play with my middle brother. Um, and it just in that household, man, it was, it was, it was a competitive household, but, but when basketball became the predominant sport, I kind of dropped the, the soccer and the football and, and focused on basketball and, and fell in love with it at an early age. And, and I haven't stopped since. Coach, you talk about Flint. When I think about Flint, Michigan, I think of Mateen Cleaves. Who was, yeah. who was a legend. Sounds, baby. Yeah, and so, but the other person I don't think maybe many people know about, but MC Breed, I think about, I think about him too, man. Like when I was a kid, man, listening to hip hop as a, you know, or rap, at the, I say it's rap at the time, you know, he was he was repping Flint all the way back then before, you know, Mateen Cleaves and them. So th- that's for me, it's a, it's a tough city. It's one of those things where if you say you're from Flint, like, you get you you get yeah. you get cred already like it's a it's, right chalk it up but give that guy cred you know it's gonna be tough so and then you talk yeah, about that, that's yeah, that's yeah. one of my favorite uh uh this college teams ever that that Mateen Cleves Michigan State team man yeah. I remember him and him getting hurt with his ankle and he coming back in the game and yeah and finishing Tom Tom Izzo is is like my favorite coach man I just think that. You know, he's got his nits as far as the type of kids he recruits. He, he's yeah. all about toughness. Yeah. He's all about defense. And uh, and he wins with his guys, man. And I, that's, that's just the program that I've always grown up liking. My dad my dad went to Michigan State. My mom wow. went to Michigan. Um, wow. So I kind of grew up just – I love Michigan football and I love Michigan State basketball. And I've yeah. and, uh, been, a, been a huge Israel fan ever since. And, and Mateen Cleve was, was, you know – Definitely one of my all-time favorites is being a Michigan State guy. Yeah, he was the guy, man. As a point guard, I looked up to him. I'm like, I want to be that tough. Because to me, he always seemed like, well, Tom Izzo seems like he recruits guys that played football too. And, <laughs> yeah. and I was a big-time big, big time football you know, player, just loved it. But I love basketball too. So, yeah, I, got, I, I hear you 100% about him. So, Coach, uh, you know, we talked about your brother Brian. That's kind of how we – we got into this because he he reached out. He was like, "Hey, man, you need to get a hold of my brother. Uh, he's doing really well. Yada yada yada. You know, great guy, man. I mean, I've known him for a while now, and uh, we met when he was at uh, Lamar, and uh, just a great guy, man. So I want to shout out to Brian real quick, so we don't we don't forget that. 
But, uh, but coach, what was your experience like as a player? So, um, I, I ended up growing up, I went to high school in Plano and, uh, I went to Plano East and, um, I kind of followed suit. So my brother played on an AAU team called called Dallas Dirty Dozen, and when he after he played, I I played on the team, and it was a uh, it was, they were out of South Dallas, so we used to always drive to South Dallas to to practice, and and uh, I mean I'm talking about an hour hour and a half to practice, and then back. Um, I finished with them. I actually started with with Team Texas, and and our Team Texas team was loaded with AC Law and and. And it's different. And Dallas basketball was so great in the Metroplex when I was in high school. I, I graduated in 03, but kind of played, you know, 2003. And, and you're talking about Chris Bosch is at Lincoln and yeah. and Brian Hopkins is his teammate. And LaMarcus Aldridge is, is in, during that time. And uh, the colony had Darren Williams. And, and it was just loaded um, playing in the Metroplex at that time. Man. And, and um, you know, my freshman, I had a really good freshman. And sophomore year, uh, playing on some high level just AAU teams, and uh, kind of I had a freak injury um, my sophomore year. Uh, it was Plano East versus Plano, yeah. And I'm in warmups, man. And I'm a sophomore in varsity, so it was a big deal back then because they that was like the second or third year they let sophomores play varsity at my high school at Plano East. And uh, it's warmups versus Plano. We're at home too, man. And I'm going. I'm in layup lines, and I go to dunk. And it looks like I slipped. And so I kind of got like some chuckles from my teammate. And then one of the play, one of my teammates said, oh, snap. And like, you know, look at his leg. And I don't know if you know, I don't know if you remember Kevin Ware from Louisville a few yeah, years yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, that was bad. I had, that's basically what happened to me. So I had a freak injury. This yeah. leg snaps. Um, and I'm out. So I, a compound fracture. Um, oh. Two huge screws in my leg. Um, and then they say I'm still growing. So eight months later, I mean, I had a cast from the tip of my toes to my, to my hip basically. Um, and I had that for like six, for eight weeks. And then, um, eight months later, they got to go back in and take the screws out. So I basically had to have surgery, do rehab and then have another surgery and do rehab again. And that kind of changed the kind of like just my whole, thought process my basketball career. I still finished out my career at Plano East. I played my senior year, played part of my junior year, but um, I ended up going to a Division three school. I went to Austin College and uh, just decided I wanted to go, or I thought I wanted to go and do like pre-med and I wanted to go into physical therapy just because of my experience and yeah. and uh, realized like so many other kids, I hear that all the time. Like, hey, coach, I had surgery on my ACL. I want to I do physical therapy. And I, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about the recruiting process, really, or, or, or uh, you know, what to look for, what questions to ask. But I ended up going to Austin College, and it was a great educational experience for me. I loved it yeah. as far as that. But I realized once I got to school, I don't like science. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing physical therapy. Yeah. This, this is not for me. Yeah. And uh, the crazy thing is, so my, my, my brother Brian, is he's finishing up at UT Dallas. By the way, I really wanted to go play with my brother at UC yeah. Dallas. He told me not to. And then he turns around and wins conference that year. So wow. <laughs> that's a whole different story, but that's that's like my brother. But um That's good. He graduates and we start an AAU program. And so after my freshman year of playing, you know, I'm I'm doing this AAU program with my brother and uh that's like that became my hustle every summer. And I started looking forward to that and every summer that I was in college 
I ran an AAU program. Wow. And that's that's really how I got into coaching, man, is that I ended up doing being a business major uh, or double double major, so business major in sports psychology and uh, uh, fell in love with coaching. And I played, I played three years, so I ended up having, um, again, three surgeries in two years. So my, my so three surgeries in my first two years of college, just, I couldn't stay healthy. I ended up just coaching my junior year. I was a student assistant my junior year and did all the recruiting and did all this. And so after my junior season, I'm, I've been a, a student assistant and I recruited probably eight players to come play. Wow. But AD tells me I can't, uh, I can't coach anymore because we had got a kid off my AU team and they didn't want to worry about, I mean, NCAA rules. They didn't want to break any NCAA rules. And I'm yeah. like, nobody cares about this division three school. I promise. But <laughs> they said I couldn't coach anymore. Um, and so I came back and I played my senior year and I led the team in scoring and rebounding, which was kind of cool. But, um, you know, I kind of, uh, only played three years, played division three and, and had a great experience. Met probably, you know, the godfather of my, of my son and met some good people there, but I really, it, you know, God works in mysterious ways. That's how, that's how I got into coaching was going to Austin college. Wow. You know, coach, sometimes that, that, uh, that path that we take, to our calling, if you will. Uh, it always seems like it's always in the midst of some kind of maybe confusion or uh, maybe disappointment or, or even like just it's, it's not like dumb luck or anything like that, but just kind of like, you know, we're looking for something where we know there's something calling us. We just don't know what it is yet. But then when we jump into it, man, it's like I should have been doing this all along, man. For why did I, I why, no did, <laughs> why did I even play ball? I should have just been coaching since I was a freshman in high school. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the way, you know, I, I, I see it a lot of times kind of unfold and play out. So, Coach, you know, back in uh, when you started, what, at 14, 15 there at Commerce, uh, what, what was that like that first year, you know, first full season as a coach? What was that like for you? So my first season as, as head coach, is that what you're saying? Yes, sir. Okay, so – let me rewind before that. So 13, 14, you know, I was, I was a division one assistant coach at Texas state for two years yeah. and 13, 14. Um, I ended up leaving Texas state cause my boss gets fired and I'm like, you know, fork in a row. What do I do? I took a high school head coaching job at McKinney board where we won one game. And, uh, Jeez. somehow I go from, from one win to a college head coach. That's yeah. a whole nother story. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, I learned so much in that one year. Well, it, you kind of talk about it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a big man of faith, man. And, and uh, I think that God put me at Commerce in 14, 15 for a reason. I, yeah. I get the job and it's my first year on the women's side. I'm trying to learn how to coach women. I'm, I'm meeting people. I'm talking to people. Uh, I'm trying to figure out, you know, the differences and how do I coach women, how to relate with women, who do I need to talk to as far as recruiting. Yeah. Like I'm, I know how to coach. I know how to recruit at this point in my career, but you know, I don't have any contacts on the women's side and there was a lot that I needed to know about, you know, relating to women and things like that. Well, I, I finally had got to a point two months into the job where I felt like we had a really good team. I felt like we had a team that could, could really compete. You know, I'm taking over a team, a program that we had won 26 games in five years prior to me being there. Wow. And so, you know, you're talking about a team that doesn't know winning, yeah. a program that has a bad culture and doesn't really have a whole lot of talent. Well, I felt like we put together a good recruiting class. We're in a good space. And exactly two months onto the job, um, 
my two captains passed away in a car accident. Oh my goodness. In the summertime. And so you talk about that first year kind of being a whirlwind. Yeah. I mean, you know, what do you do when you're trying to change, you're trying to change the culture, you got new players, you got, uh, your two captains that passed away. And so you got all your returners who felt this connection, uh, to these two players. And it, it, there could easily be a divide in the program just because of an incident like that. And, yeah. and somehow, some way we find a way to get to, to 500. We're 14 and 14, um, that first year. But I think what, the biggest thing I got from that accident was that I, it forced me to check up on my players every week. So it forced me to, in year one, I, I wanted to meet with my players every week, like once a week, just to check in to make sure they're good because you never know what they're thinking about. You know, the, the, the two people in the front seat survived. So the driver of the accident survived. Wow. And so the things that are going through her head yeah. every day. Yeah. Um, and the other young lady that, in the front seat, you know, the guilt that, and the things that she's living with. Yeah. Um, and then teammates, it was a, it was a close group. And so you're like, man, you don't know what's going to set them off. And one thing, um, just I've learned is that, you know, the women I've coached have, have tended to bring things that are off the court onto the court with them, whatever emotions, whatever they're going through that day, yeah. or just major trauma. It's, um, it wasn't always an outlet. It was, they kind of brought things with them. And so that was a big year, man. It just forced me to really work on player relationships. And it, it wasn't a good thing, but I found some, I found some positive, some positive things that I took from that just because I've really started to value player relationships where I didn't feel like earlier in my career, I did that. It was all about what can I do to get to the next job kind of. And I think that especially on the men's side, you're trying to hustle. And you're trying to make a name for yourself. You're trying to, whether it's in recruiting or whatever, to try to get the next job. And I even think when I first took the commerce job, that was my mindset. Like, man, let me go here two or three years, turn this program around and get out. Go give me a division one job. That was kind of my mindset. Man, it forced me to slow down. And like, man, there's so much more to to coaching than this, man. It's about impact. And how are you, how are you making an impact on these, on these young lives? How are you making an impact on, on communities? And when I, and there was 2,000 people that they came back in the summertime for their vigil, for a candlelight vigil wow. for two young ladies. And I'm like, man, they had to be living some type of life for people to come back to campus in the summertime. There's nobody on campus. They came back to show support and to show love for her. And then at their individual high schools, you talk about another 1,000 at each, at each candlelight vigil at their high schools. And I'm like, what type of ladies were these people that they made such an impact and it really changed me as far as man, I, I gotta make sure I'm doing this wrong. Like I gotta I gotta care more about the people. I gotta care more about making an impact and and it really it really shifted my coaching philosophy in the year one. Um so that that was kind of year one and fourteen, fifteen as a head coach for me. Um it's just learn learning the value of relationships, man. That's great coach. You know, <clears throat> you you talked about you know, uh getting into sports psychology. That's really when it comes in handy. You know, you, you, you kind of have an idea of how to uh, deal with people from that perspective, but then you've got the practical now. You've got the practicality of here I am faced with this situation of having to kind of pick up the pieces. And as pieces keep falling apart, we still got to pick them up and somewhat repair uh, psyches, repair hearts, repair minds and ways of thinking. That's uh, it's a huge task it really is but i think after you like you talked about how to change your philosophy 
and about impacting people and relationship, you know, development. Uh, it's really, that's really big coach. And it was a great, you know, it's a great lesson to learn out of that tragedy, which it really was just, you know, horrific, uh, to lose that, to lose those two people at that time with the, with, you know, at that time of their life, goodness, you talk about what kind of people they were. I can't imagine, um, the loss that was, but here again, the right leaders at the right time can get people to the right place. And, and I think that's kind of what you're, what you're, uh, talking about there, coach. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. Cause that's huge. Really big, big time stuff, and I think anybody who's listening that may be going through something similar, that may be may go through that in the future, can really uh, can know that there's hope. There really is, because that's what people need in, in those times of of hurt and pain and, and suffering, in a sense. So, so I, I, yeah, appreciate, yeah. I appreciate it, Coach. So, so, no coach, question, yeah. So, as a head coach, because a, a lot of times we uh, we think as a, as an assistant, it's a little bit more of uh you're you're throwing out ideas you're you're you know kind of throwing caution to the wind at times with your ideas you're saying hey let's try this let's try that but as a head coach you know it's a little bit more like your decisions are final your decisions there's a lot of more weight to your decisions uh so as a head coach what values help you to build the right culture for your program man that's a uh a great question um I, th- I think, man, as I, uh, as a young coach, I, I, especially as a young head coach, you don't really know who you are. And I think the first thing is you try to take, you try to take bits and pieces of, you know, different coaches you work for, different coaches you played for, and you're trying to, you're trying to come up with your own philosophy. And yeah. you don't know if your philosophy is going to work or not until you start getting into it. And I, I, I really don't think. I was comfortable in my own skin as a head coach until probably, till probably year three. Honestly, I mean, it, it it took a little while to, because, you know, you you got you're gonna have a mentor in the business or or mentors, and yeah. you're gonna have people in your ear telling you what you should do, and you know how you should do things. But at the end of the day, you got to live with the decisions yeah. that you make. Nobody else. Is gonna live, is gonna have have to live with those decisions. It's, it's you, so it's yeah. easy to make suggestions as to how somebody should do it, or I did it this way. But as a coach, I mean, these players are constantly changing. The game is constantly changing. If you're not evolving as a coach, um, and if your program is not evolving, then you're gonna get left behind. But I think to speak to your your question about culture, though, I, I think the things that, that we try to emphasize, the things that I value are, are what I value in my real life, man. And, um, I try to live the right way. I'm a Christian man. And, and, and so one thing I value is just doing things the right way. And we're going to bust our ass. <laughs> we're going to work hard. We're going to try to be great in everything that we do. Yeah. And that's whether we're on the floor, whether we're in the community doing community service, whether we're in the classroom, um, my expectation is to be is to be great and you know, to be the best at those things. But uh, you also got to live life. You also got to have fun um, doing it, man. And so yeah. I want to have fun with the people that are around me. And so the the thing that I, I've had to learn is I want to recruit a certain type of person and I want to hire a certain type of person because that's what's going to control the quality of my life. Yeah. And when you can find people that um are winners in life, man. I think that's the thing. I want, I want character people. I want to surround myself with, with people with high character first and foremost. Um, it makes, it makes having the discipline 
a lot easier when you yeah. got character kids, when you got character coaches, um, people that value family, man. That's the tip. You, you spend so much time with your players. You spend so much time with your fam- with, with your coaches that they become family. Um, and but we just do we do things the right way, man, and we have fun doing it. And I, I just think that when um, I think talent is a given, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, you, you can't play college basketball. You can't play. You can't expect to be the best at anything without talent. But what are those X factors, man? I want I want people to have those X factors, man. I, I, one book that I read, if you haven't read it, uh, you got to read it, man. It's called it's, it's by Tony Dundee. It's uncommon. Yeah, and yeah. so. Um, he talks about winning is uncommon. Like everybody doesn't win. Everybody doesn't win at the highest level. Yeah. And so you got to have uncommon people. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing that we want in our program. We want uncommon people. Yeah. We want people that don't care about what it looks like, but we're going to, we're going to put in the work. We're going to do things the right way. And, uh, and, and, and you got to, and, we're going to lead. Like, I don't want people that want to follow. I want people that want to set the tone. And, and yeah. I think that's, we finally got to the point where that's what we have in our program from top to bottom, uh, from the, the 16th person on our roster to the one we're playing the most minutes to every coach on my staff right now. Uh, I got uncommon people, man. And, and that's, that's what it's about. And, and um, we want to be that program that, that, that leads the way in, in not just how we play on the floor, but how we how we impact communities, man, how we change lives. And yeah. um, so that's what our culture is about. That's great, Coach, because at that at that point you leave a real legacy. You don't you you leave things better than the way you found them. You right. uh you know, we talked about impact earlier. And that's kind of what you do too. You have an impact. You know, my my dad always told me, he says, wherever you go make a difference. No matter where you go uh, to work or play or live or whatever, just make a difference. And uh, and I it's think- funny. It's funny you said that about leaving a place better than you found. I, we talk about that all the time, man. Like like a locker room, for example, man. Just uh, uh, you, you may go into a locker room under on the road. You're, for us, at least in you know, Division Two, a lot of times you're going to to somebody's locker room. So like we may be in the, the volleyball locker room or we may be in a yeah. soccer locker room and you don't know what, <laughs> you know, who left trash or whatever before. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the last people that left are going to be us. And so I don't, that place better be clean when we leave it and you leave a place better than you found it because the last people that were in there are going to be us. And you don't want anybody thinking anything other than, man, they whooped our tail and they, and they really, <laughs> our locker room was spotless, man. <laughs> like you, you want to have That's a good crazy. impression on, on everything, man. You want to leave a place better than you found. And I think that's the same with our players. Like as we recruit players to our program, it's the same thing, man. If we, if we won, you know, 80 games the, the four years before, when, when you leave, we need to leave, win at least 81 or yeah. win a hundred. Like you, you count, you constantly want to elevate and make, and make the place better than you found. And that was my goal when I took over this program is, and you talk about you talked about legacy, man, and that's you know leaving continuously living leaving places better than you found it. Yeah, for sure, coach. Great, good stuff, man. Like that idea of you know whooping somebody's tail and then being courteous at the end of the day. That's 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 tough. That's tough to see. You would hope you know the, op- the opposition would probably hope like what could we find that they did wrong and we can complain about that. But when you when you show courtesy, you know, killing them with kindness, if you will, that's good stuff, man. So, Coach, how do you define success within your program? Man, I, I think there's so many ways um, that we define success. But I, and you know, the obvious one, you, 
we get paid, we got a scoreboard, right? And so, uh, but I, I think that's the competitive person in me. I expect to win games. You know, I, yeah. I expect like nobody's going to put higher expectations on myself than I am. Like I, I just expect that I expect to, to be the best. And, and, but for me, it's, it's who are the people, who are the people that are leaving our program? Like, what are they doing? Like, what are they doing years from now? What type of, what type of, uh, lives are they living yeah. when they leave our place? And I think that's ultimately what defines it. It's hard to, it's hard to put a, put a uh, definition at the end of the year. I mean, it's, you know, if, if all you're looking for is championship rings and, and cutting down nets, man, it, then I don't think you're, you're going to really enjoy it. You're never going to be happy in life because, yeah. um, I mean, I'm, I'm 15-0 and this is the best year in our school's history, man. We've, we've never won as many consecutive games. We've never been top four in the country. Um, and all that stuff's great, man. But the thing that I'm having – the most fun with is is like the platform that we have now and the impact that we can have and and just seeing the growth within yeah. our players like I that's what it's, I, I like to see is the growth man I go, from when you came here to who you are when you leave what does that look like and what do you look like five years from now yeah and um that's what it's all about like the 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 legacy is, is going to be in the people. At the end of the day, nobody's going to, like, 20 years from now, people aren't going to remember me. I mean, I got to just be honest. Like, people aren't going to remember the games, all the games we won, but they're going to remember the people, man. And, and and that's what I wonder. Are we, are we like, me as a coach right now and, and a coach on the women's side, am I developing young women that are going to go out and be great moms, but not just great moms, like CEOs, not just yeah. CEOs, but are they going to be people that are, developing and mentoring other people like um i want to have leaders like i want i want the next future women leaders the the people that are are uh running companies i want those to come from our program and i don't get it twisted like i want to win games i do um i won my 100 game last week and that's special and i mean honestly right now um i think i'm seven wins away from being an all-time leader in school history and, and wins. Um, and that's been, that's, that's going to be incredible. And Big time. for that, like, I'm, I'm excited for like to be able to tell my son that cause like I, I, I got a son now and, and, uh, you know, I want him to be able to believe he can do whatever he wants to do. It doesn't matter whatever he wants, whatever it is he wants to do, he can be the best at it. And to be able to have that, that's your number one, um, in program history and, and something like that, man. And, to be a minority at that, at a non HBCU, yeah. um, to me, that's, that's huge. But man, what type of people are we, are we developing? And, and to me, that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate test, man. And, and, uh, um, I'd like to be able to look back and say that, that at the end of everything that I'm doing, man, we're graduating people, we're graduating people with high GPAs and not just that man, that while they were here, they impacted this community in a major way. Um, and if we're not doing that, then I'm not, I'm not successful. And if I am, it doesn't matter if we, we won 30 games or we won 18 games or we won 10 games, whatever. If I'm, if I'm constantly doing that and making better people, then I'm successful. True. Very true coach. A big, big facts. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's something I think gets lost in early success sometimes with the record, like say you're winning and, 
man, I almost don't know why it's happening, or you got a lot of talent, and you're winning, you're winning. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, how do they say? They say, you know, winning cures all, all ills, man. Like all the bad things you don't see because winning takes care of that. You're kind of willing to overlook a guy being late or a girl giving you back talk. And it's like, well, you know what? She's, she's giving me 20 points a game and we're, t- we're 15 and 0. But when, when, you, when you stop and you think about it, like, you know what? The success that we have isn't that. It's the people, like you said. It's the relationships, like you said. Uh, you know, productive members of society, man. Uh, multiplying yourself and then multiplying themselves into others. Uh, you know, we talk about coaching trees, but I think people in general, we can make, you know, like leadership trees, man. Just, you know, one begets the next and begets the next. And before you know it, you've got a, a different world in your hands. And that's kind of what we want. I think everybody wants that. We complain a lot man, about, I, we complain a lot about life and society, but we can do something about it too. i tell you this. I, I've been on both sides. I've been on the men's side, I've been on the women's side. And I've seen this, I've seen crazy things. Like if you want to win, you can win. Like I've seen those people, they want to win at all costs. Like they, they don't care what type of kids they take in the program. They don't care what they're doing off the floor. As long as it's resulting in win, like they're happy. And, and to me, I, at the end of the day, I got to live with myself. I got to live with myself, but I got to be able to look my wife in the eye. I got to be able to look my kids in the eye and know that I'm doing things the right way. And if I'm, if I'm not doing things the right way and really making society better and making the people around me better, like that's to me, like we talk about this, like, the best player on the floor is the one that makes everybody around them better. Doesn't yeah. matter stat line; it's the one that makes everybody around them better. Yeah. And if that's everybody's mindset, like I want to make my teammates better, and you can do that on the bench or whatever. If I, if I'm making the people around me better, then we're gonna win games, and that's my same mindset as a coach and as as a member of this community, man. Like, what am I doing to make the people around me better? And that's my assistant coaches. Like, if I'm not trying to promote my assistant coaches to make them better and, and to allow them to get better jobs and be head coaches, then to me, I'm not doing my job. And that's how I gauge success. Like at the, at the end of the year, do people want the coaches on my staff? If people want the coaches on my staff, that means we've done a hell of a job. Like we're yeah. putting that, we're putting out a product that people want a part of. Like when you look at the Spurs and you look at great organizations, you look at the Patriots, people want those coaches because of the culture that they have. Yeah. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't even have to be a, a year that, that they win it all. Like, yeah. People are are so familiar with that product that they're like they constantly want people from the Spurs or people from the Patriots. They want those names or the, now the Warriors because of who they are year in and year out. And and that's to me that's success when you're breeding when you're constantly breeding successful people. Then then you've reached a point of success, and that's that's where I want to be. And I want to do I want to do it the right way. Yeah, you know, Coach, you talk about li- living the right way. Uh, you know, here again, being uncommon, uh, that that's, you know, that just those two things right there can help you to get there to that level of success. And uh, yeah, it may not, it may not equate to everybody else's definition of success, but like you said, man, it's one of those things when you got to look your wife in the eye and your kids in the eye and, and know that you, you emptied your tank for everybody and you did all that you could to make there again, where you're at better than where you, when you found it. So good stuff, man, really, really good stuff. Now, Coach, a lot of us have to put up with feedback. I mean, a lot of us get to have feedback <laughs> in that yeah. in that everybody knows, you know, better better ways to do a thing. But then there's those who really, really have our best interest in mind and that come to us and say, hey, look, 
this, that, and the third. And then that feedback right there, and, and even sometimes the criticism, Coach, how do you process those? Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. Man. My, so I married – my wife played college basketball. So okay. there's not a person that's going to give me more criticism <laughs> or feedback yeah. more yeah. than my wife. Yeah, and so we got we got a, we got a twenty four hour rule in my house. Like she's not allowed to give me any type of feedback for twenty four hours <laughs> unless we win. Because yeah. I know she's gonna like she's gonna tell me what I already know. Why isn't yeah. she playing defense or why isn't she doing whatever? Like, but I I think whether it's her or whoever it is, because you know, especially online now, you anybody can get on Twitter, yeah, yeah. or on any social media and say whatever. Um, I think one, you got to look at, at who's saying, who's saying what, yeah, and do they really have your, your best interest at heart? And if, if they do, and you probably got to take a look and you probably got to listen to it. Um, yeah. and, and at least, at least, uh, sift through, you know, what, what you can take out of that and what you can't. But, um, I, I think me just being, you know, being competitive and, and constantly wanting to grow, um, you, you got to look at those people that, that, are giving you constructive criticism, right? Yeah. Um, you're always going to have feedback from from people that think you you know you didn't play somebody enough or you didn't run the right play or or, or whatever. And it's I think it's easy for outsiders to say whatever they want to say, but I, I definitely value the 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 feedback and the constructive criticism from those that are in the, in the trenches with you, those that are in there day in and day out with you. Um, and that's why you hire good people, man. Like I, if if I'm hiring all yes men, then I'm 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 doing myself a disservice. Yeah, no, and so you, when you hire when when you hire good coaches and you got good people around you, you should be getting feedback. You should be getting constructive criticism all the yeah. time. Yeah, and and just like you give it out, like I don't at halftime or in a timeout, I don't want you to tell me what I what I see. Like I want you to tell me the truth. Yeah, yeah. And and if it's if it's me that's not doing something. Or if it's after the game, whatever. That's why you hire a good staff is so that you can get better. And so as a as a head coach, you you better be able to take feedback, and at the end of the day, look yourself in the mirror and do what's best for the team. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a part of growth. I think that's a part of staying on top too. Because even when even when you're winning games, don't think that you're not doing everything right. Like uh, there's a lot of stuff that we if if we're gonna win in February, late February and in March. There's a lot of stuff that I'm probably not doing right and that I got to get better at, and I better be listening to that. And, and it's not just from coaches, man. It's, it's, it can be trainers in your practice. Like, hey, coach, you're probably going too hard at this point in the season. Yeah. You probably need to scale it back. And there's a lot of coaches that they're going to over try to drill stuff in, in practice or over things in practice late in the season versus sometimes the best medicine is, is to rest. Or sometimes yeah. the best medicine is, is to do less. Less is more. Um, yeah. And, and I just think that that's and that's important with any coach. Like you better be able to take the right feedback. And some of it, uh, you know, those that aren't really trying to help you, those that aren't really trying to, to be a benefit to you, you know, you, you can kind of tell who those are, and you move those to the side and you keep it moving. Definitely, coach. You know, I guess we could uh, your fifteen and zero start. Maybe your wife has a lot to do with that then, so you don't have to worry about it at home. <laughs> but like you said, you know, I like what you said, coach. You can't. You can't uh, be fooled by your winning ways either to think that this is going to be the way your plan is just flawless. Like there's still a lot of things you need to clean up and 
And I think that's something most of us coaches really have to be honest with ourselves because sometimes we'll get it and put it in cruise control and think, man, this is it. Like we're, we're hitting, we're hitting on all cylinders, but uh, man, I've, I've seen, I've seen teams play at a high level and still there's room for growth. And that's the beauty of the game. The beauty of the game is that you can always get better. You don't have to be broken to get better. So man, my mentor, my mentor, Sam Walker, he's the one that brought me into this business. He hired me when I was 21 years old. Wow. And he used to always say this, man. Like he, and I, I do the same thing. This is this is one of the things I, I've taken from him. I don't really talk to my team that much after the game. Whether we win or lose, I don't say a whole lot. Like I'm not about to give a whole, a long speech after the game. We normally we go in. I may say one. I may say one thing. If we win, I'm, I'm celebrating that. But we pray and we get out. Yeah. And the reason being, he told me this. He said, when you lose, you never lose as bad as you think you lost. And when you win, it was never as good as you think it was. Yeah. Watch the wow. film first. Wow. And the, the film is going to tell you so much. Yeah. And it's, there's so much truth to it. When you're in the heat of the game and you lose the game, and you're like, man, we didn't do this, we didn't do that. And you go and you look at the film and you're like, damn, we were a lot better than I thought we were. <laughs> yeah. And then you watch, you watch film and you won a game and you're like, man, they just missed some shots. Like, yeah. we didn't close out well. We didn't do this. Well. Like, there's a lot that we got to clean up. Yeah. And the film doesn't lie. And I think it's, you can easily win a bunch of games. And it, it there's a lot of flaws in what you're doing. If you're not constantly trying to get better, if you're not constantly trying to to look for look for criticism, look for feedback at some point, then at, at some point in the season, those teams that were losing early, they're fixing stuff. Yeah. And at the end of the season, they end up winning. They end up beating you. And so you got to constantly be looking for that that feedback. Yeah, no, I think that that mindset brings about perspective. Uh, because, like you said, man, I mean, you watch film and it doesn't lie to you, man. Like, that's one thing I've always told players, man. The film doesn't lie. You can stop and tell me in the heat of the moment, but I, I, didn't, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And I have to let it go because there's no replay. Uh, at that moment so like yeah okay fine but when we watch film we're going to sit there and figure it out and I think every coach that takes the time and, and t- has pl- takes pleasure in watching film really finds out uh, what they're about but also realizes like man, we got work to do and I think I don't know any coach that watches film and says man that was great Whew. and just like I don't need to watch film until maybe three more games later like we, we've got it like no <laughs> You're watching film today. Man, I, I wish I, I really wish I could have a film session with some of these officials too. Yeah. That's probably a different podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a that's like the a grievance podcast, but well, that'll be, we'll do that in the summertime <laughs> when you're not working, you know, on the court. Yeah. But coach, I, I I really you know the way you kind of came along. You talked about your mentor Sam Walker and, and the opportunity he gave you. What kind of advice would you give to those who who need who want that opportunity, get into the and get into the coaching game, and really need to hear the truth of it all? Because you know you talked about truth earlier, how how coaches need to hear truth. I think people who want to get into this profession need to hear truth. So, what kind of advice would you give those people, coach? Ah, uh, man, <laughs> it's not what people think that think it is, man. It's it's a job. It's one of the toughest, most rewarding jobs out there. And it's, yeah. it's if you're doing it, I, there's so many people that I think do it for the wrong reasons. Like they do it because, oh, that's, this is all I know. I played yeah. basketball my life, so all I know. 
or they do it because you know they think they're going to get a quick payday or they're going to they're going to get some type of clout from it. And there's so many people that I think that that they come in at first doing it for the wrong reason, man. And there's there's it's it's a grind. And if you're not ready for that grind, um, and not just the grind, the grind and and no glory, no no paycheck. Like it 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 took a long time for me to make any type of decent salary. Uh, the same for my brother and the same for majority coaches out there. Yeah. Like I, I probably had a roommate till I was 28. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you're trying to, you're trying to find ways to, to make it work on, on a low salary. And because there's so many people that want coaching jobs, there's so many people and there's so many vets in there that have been doing it for a long time and that they've paid their dues and, and have figured it out. And it takes, it takes a long time to be good at it. You don't realize how many things that you got to be good at to be a college coach like yeah. it ain't just it ain't just recruiting like you you better know how to recruit and have relationships like it takes so long to develop those relationships with people yeah and it's the relationship business and so you're not going to just jump in and and get to the level you want to be at and you got to be humble it's, it's a very humbling business you got to be willing to to learn like really learn the game and i'm so glad that i went to a division two school first because I got thrown in the fire, man. My my head coach hired me at 21, and he let me do. I mean, I ordered all the gear, I did all the travel, I washed the laundry, I I did everything that you could possibly do except schedule. I held academics. I was a strength coach. I was a conditioning coach. I worked with the guards. I worked with the post. I did everything but plan practice and scheduling, and. There are so many things in between, man. I was a community. Like I, I had to have relationships with everybody on campus, from yeah. clients to academics to uh, community service. And there's so many things that you have to get great at as an assistant coach to even be able to be an assistant coach. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. to, to to earn the trust of a head coach, like because that's what like as a head coach you want to you want people around you that are going to make your job easy. Yeah. And yeah. so if, and a lot of people don't have that perspective, like as a head coach, as an assistant coach, that was my job. Like, let me take as much stuff off of my head coach's plate as possible so that he can be the best version of him. Yeah. Because if he's the best version of him, then we're going to win and we can keep it moving. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have my brother. I would say this, get a mentor, man. Like get somebody that's going to be real with you. And it's going to give you right sound advice. Like I, I'm blessed that my brother Brian is in this business because he was able to give me so much game. And not just that, like, my brother is my biggest advocate. Now, you know, that's the reason why I'm on this podcast right now, because he yeah. told you, hey, you need to get my brother on here. <laughs> but, like, not just that, like, his network became my network. Yeah. And so everybody that he had formed relationships with, like, he gave me a jump start in the business. And so I'm able to learn from other people, too, man. And I think that's important. Like, I traveled a lot, man. I, I put in work to learn the game. Like, I didn't, I wasn't naive to think that, I knew the game or I knew how to be great. Like I went and sat down with other staff. And that was one of the things when I became head coach, man, I got good with the TCU staff and coach Peebly. And then, you know, Toya Wilson, who was at Baylor at the time, she's now at university of Michigan. She was a, a, a big time mentor of me and, and uh, Brooks Williams, who's the head coach at Louisiana uh, Monroe now. And I can go down the line. Jay Lee Mitchell, head coach at North Texas. There's so many people that have like, I went and I learned from, because I realized I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know, or that <laughs> yeah. I, I need to. I need to. I need to keep adding tools to my to my 
to my toolbox because I want to be the best that I can be. And if, if, if you're not willing to put in the work and realize that that work is probably not going to come with a lot of reward early on, then it's probably not going to be for you. And it's tough, man, especially when you're young starting out and you see your friends and your friends graduate college and they're, they're making sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars in good jobs. And you are a GA somewhere making yeah. tuition fees and $300 a month or if that, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and uh, making 30,000, 4,000 as an assistant coach. And you can, you see high school coaches making more than you. Yeah. It's tough as an assistant coach in college to make because of it's just tough, man. And you got to be willing to put in, put in the work in your early years and know that on the back end, it's going to pay off for you. And, and those that make it love what they're doing. But also you got to realize too, that it's a time commitment, man. Like it's a rewarding job, but it's a job that, you're on the road a lot. You're putting a lot of 16, 15 hour days, man, that, you know, it's, it's fun stuff, but it's, it can be grueling at times. And, and, uh, um, especially if you're not working for somebody that's, uh, the best type of person. And, and also if, you know, you're losing, like there's so much yeah. <laughs> like people, people around you, like you're going to have those seasons, man. And, and yeah. I've, I've been a part and you got to be ready for all of it. It, it grows you. But um, you just got to be willing to stick it out, man. I, 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 that's the one thing that I, I, I want to say to young women, that there are young women that are listening, like we need more women coaches. And a lot of women coaches that I've had them on my staff, they don't stick it out. So I've had some very promising ones that they would have just stuck it out, you know, two or three more years. I really think that they would have been complete coaches, been coaches that are, are making a lot of money in this business and very successful. But, um, you know, it's tough because I think that some some women don't think that they can do the family thing and coach, and they yeah. can, they can, but uh, you know, don't always stick it out. Now we we need to see more women sticking it out on, on the women's side for sure. Yeah, coach, which leads me to my next question because I always hear that from coaches like and work, family, family, work, uh, and you, you kind of alluded to that right now, talking about on the female side. Uh, of the coaching spectrum, how some of them did stick it out because of family and whatnot. And that's completely understandable. I mean, I've, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, so how, how coach would you tell them? Like, like you, you kind of made a mention if there's any of them listening. So if there's any of them listening or in anybody else listening, you know, the coaches out there, how do you balance work and home life? I, so I think it's important, man. And, you got to recognize who your head coach is. I think in this business too, like you, you got to make sure that you work with somebody and it's not, it's easier said than done. Right. Because there's just only so many openings out there. But yeah, when you, to me, the, the, I only take jobs now um, where I know the culture is a family culture, where I know that I can have my kids at, at the job and things like that. And yeah. who you work for is so, is so important. Like I, I know for me, I got to hire people that, um, are going to make my job easier so that I can be at home. I, I told you, like, one thing for me is I prioritize, man. There's certain times of the day for me that it's family time. I'm not doing anything. I'm not working. I'm not doing no scouts. I'm not talking to recruits. Like, I'm going to spend this time with my family. And when I get home from the office, like, that's them two hours before my son goes to sleep, I'm not doing anything but spending time with, with my son and my wife. And that's, you got to make sure you prioritize it. And I think that, that, as an assistant coach, if you do your job and you plan your days, like that you're able to 
you're able to still have that time for you. So you're able to still have that time for your family. And sometimes that may mean, hey, coach, I from four to six, I need to go and I need to pick my son up from work or my kids up from work and I need to do this at home, but I can come back and I can finish my day from from eight to nine if I had to. Like if as long as you have a plan and you're committed to that, you can make it work. Um, but you gotta be organized. You gotta you gotta know what you're doing. And you got to prioritize like family, and I, I think that that's um, that's huge for me. That's that's huge. Man. I, I just like I know Sundays. Sundays I got to work sometimes, but I, I I know that I have to spend time with my family. It makes my job better. Like I'm better in my job when I know that my my home life is right. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, and I I realize that too as a head coach. Like I realized that from my assistant, my associate head coach. He's got three kids. He's married with three kids. And I realized that his son was sick today, as a matter of fact. And but I know this. Like as there are some coaches that that you know they're are, they're big on office hours, man. They're, we're we're in such a technology business now. I get it, like the rest of the staff can handle some player issues, but like scouts and recruits, that stuff can be done from home, man. There's so much stuff that yeah. if if you're organizing as an, as an assistant and you present certain plans to your head coach and they know that, you know, you're going to get the job done, there's, there's, there's so much flexibility in this business, especially as a college coach that, but you've got to make that a priority and you've got to make it known when you go into interviews and you go, like as you, as if you start out single or, or married and don't have kids and your family involved, then you got to constantly communicate with your coach for as long as they know that you can get the job done and they trust you. I think it, I don't think it can work. I've seen it happen. I've seen several women with families make it work. Um, but it's it's got to be one. You got to be high level with the job and be organized with it. But have a plan. And I think if you have a plan for anything, most head coaches are going to respect that. Definitely, yeah. My, you know, it's funny you said that. My dad always told me, "Whatever you're going to do, son, with your life, just have a plan." And I think that goes through a whole different like spectrum of people. And in your vocation and in your life, and you got to have a plan. I mean, there's nothing worse than a head coach having here. Well, I'd like to do this. Okay. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, I don't know. I just, exactly. like, I just like to do it. Like, yeah. Well, I'd like a Ferrari, but I don't know how I'm going to do that, but <laughs> you know, whatever, you know what I mean? Like you got to come right. up with a plan and, and that's great coach. I, I appreciate you saying that. Cause I think there's a lot of people that needed to hear that knowledge that you just dropped right now and, uh, and really don't, and they'll feel like they're not in a box either as long as that line of communication is open and they're, and they have a plan. So thank you, coach. I appreciate that. So how important, because this is, I think about this a whole lot, man. I really do. Cause you know, uh, I think about players and their mindsets. I think about, you know, um, a, a guy I had on a while back, Grant Parr, he's a mental performance coach and it's so, uh, vital, I think, to have people like that within the program who can help players mentally process through ups and downs and, you know, be being indifferent altogether sometimes. Uh, so how important is mental health and physical health to you in this profession? Uh, it's, it's huge. It's huge, man. I think I think the, the great coaches have a pulse on both. Um. And I think, like, you know, it's great if you can have, you know, coaches like that on your staff. But if if you don't, then, you know, one of the big things I think nowadays you got to do is, as as a head coach or as a dedicated, you know, dedicated assistant coach on your staff to to really 
you know, go to seminars um, and, and learn about the mental health and, and side of things and, and how that affects teams. That was one That was one of the big things I went to at the Final Four and I had my staff go to is it was uh, a, a young lady that spoke on, on just the mental health and, and uh, how that plays into your team. I, I think that, like, I work, we're at a stage right now, I think January and February are so critical to, to seasons. Yeah. And it's I think it's the toughest part. Like I think it's the really the toughest part of the season is January and February because you're coming off of of uh Christmas break where yeah. you kinda had all day and it didn't have hour restrictions and you could you could get your treatment in, you could get a lot of things done and now you're coming back and school's starting back up, you're in the middle of conference play. Um you you played like fifteen to twenty games and so you're a little bit banged up and just what players are going through mentally, what they're going through physically, and how injuries and how your body feels plays a factor into your, you know, how your thoughts, how you're thinking, and your mental, this thought process. And then there's so many things off the floor, man, that that affect players, especially nowadays, man, with 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 social media and the instant gratification and things like that, man, or lack thereof. There's so many more factors that players are dealing with nowadays than yeah. they dealt with ten years ago, and if you don't have a pulse on that, um, it can really hurt you. I think too, like if like I had to see today, like tomorrow's got to be a light day for me, man. I when I started looking at players, and I think old school coaches, man, you would just you ride guys, you ride guys, you ride guys into the ground, man, and and it was all about toughness, and and toughness for them was being able to to um, you know play through everything, and sometimes you got to scale back as a coach and realize, man. I think the the best ability, uh, the best ability is availability, man. And yeah, you sure. want your best players to be able to be on the floor, and you want your best players on the floor as healthy as possible, yeah. and thinking the right things, man. And and it's, I, I do think physical health and mental health go hand in hand. Like you could have a perfectly fine kid that, you know, one injury or one tweak or something, and it's messing up their mental. Yeah, um, but. Man, I think that it's like it's it's so huge when it comes to uh, not just the sport, but how they are academically, man. Um, and as, as coaches who want to be successful in this business, man, you you have to have a pulse on that. And I think that one way to do that is it it may not be you every day, but if if it's not you, then it needs to be like. You have to have relationships with the kids, man. If your coaches aren't meeting with the kids, you know, once a week at least, and this talking, I'm not talking about talking about basketball. I'm talking about talking about life. Like, yeah, are you good? <laughs> are you good? Yeah. How are classes going? How is your family back home? Because there's so many things that you don't know that could be affecting them that don't come up on a day to day unless you ask the question or unless somebody asks the question. As a head coach, you may not have time to meet with everybody, but as an assistant coach, you better have a pulse on, on the players, or at least a group of them. Divide them up, man. If, if you got two assistant coaches, then divide the team up in half, and it's their job to meet with the players once a week. Meet with your meet with your seven players once a week, and other coaches will meet with another seven. And just so you have a pulse on what's going on with their in their lives, man, because there's so many things that can affect them. And as a head coach, if you just know about it, how you how how you can change the life for them, or how you can how you can change how you coach them in practice that day. Like, yeah, like I may not go as hard on this kid today because I know, hey, something happened back home with mom, and, and they're dealing with someone. 
and and how that that little thing can go a long way just because you know about it. Yeah, you and, know that, that's. I don't mean to cut you off, Coach, but that's be, being very thoughtful and intentional. You know, that's uh, your messaging really can be kind of uh, catered, you know, catering to that, uh, and that shows players that you care. If because if they feel, you know, what's that saying? They don't care how much you know they until they know how much you care. Uh, that's always a sign of like just respect. And I mean, young people want respect all the way around. They're not always willing to earn it sometimes, but that's what they want. And if they know you care and they know you, you give a hoot about them, uh, man, you, you'll have their buy-in. I, I really, I, I think that that's just kind of the process with them to get buy-in. You have to actually care. No question. No question. I think, I think buy-in, I think giving them ownership, man. I think, I think that's another thing that, uh, that's older, older school coaches that, you know, you got to learn to make that, that transition is to give up ownership, like let them allow them to do certain things, whether that's, you know, pick out some of the gear that they get or pick out where they go. And there's so many things that I remember growing up, like my coach was like, a, just so strict on that have no effect on, on winning. Like <laughs> yeah. the type of, the type of socks you wear, how high you wear your socks yeah. or, or uh, all that stuff it really doesn't affect winning at all and like the restaurant that you eat at it really doesn't affect winning I, I mean I, I get the, the nutrition and all that but you can find stuff on many of the certain places but if, if them feeling getting some ownership because they they got to pick where they eat or they got to pick the gear they get and so on and so forth they feel like they have a stake in the program and that goes a long way yeah. to their mental health too uh, just feeling like they're a part of it, and they have they have a say in things. Yeah, and I've learned to, I've learned to give up a lot of control on things that, at the end of the day, don't really matter. But if it can make somebody feel good and, and empower my coach, my assistant coaches too, man. I think that's, I really believe that's why we're having the year we're having right now because people feel empowered and people feel good about the situation that they're in right now. Yeah, that's great, coach. I like what you said there about empowering your assistants. Uh, I think every head coach. Uh, should or maybe they do, I don't know, but it's something that they everybody everybody should be open to is empowering one another. But so much more as a head coach, like you, we talked about earlier about decision making, and you, you you're responsible for every decision you make. But uh, the buy-in from your staff, the support from your staff, uh, all those things, because they're going through everything you're going through in a sense when it comes to what's going on with your players and on the court. Uh, yeah. so, so yeah, empowering players, empowering your staff, uh, you know, it's almost like happy wife, happy life, you know, as much time <laughs> as you spend with them. So right. yeah, that's, that's good stuff, brother. Really good stuff. So I want to ask you something about, you know, what you've learned about yourself, because I think we go through our, our careers and, you know, like me, I, the, re- the reason I came up with that question is because after 25 years of coaching, I look back and I think, what have I learned about me? Has it just been about, you know, the kids and teaching them the game and, you know, winning every now and then or, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. you know, what, what have I learned about myself? So I'd ask you the same thing, coach. What have you learned about yourself throughout your career? Man, I've learned, uh, that's a great question. Um, what have I learned about myself? I've learned that I, I've 
I've constantly worked to grow. Um, I think I'm a better man, better coach, better husband, better father than I've ever been today um, because of all the mistakes, all the things I've made early in my career. Yeah. And because I've made a conscious effort to grow. Um, and that's important to continue to do. Like it's, it's important to continue to, to grow. And I've, I've also learned that it's not about, man, when I was early on, it was all about how high can I go, man? How high can, you know, can I get to a high major school? Um, can I be, you know, I wanted to be Gino. I wanted to be, you know, coach K like, that's what I wanted to be. I've learned that I want to be me. I want to be the best version of me. And, and wherever I'm at, man, I want like A&M Commerce. I wanted to make A&M Commerce, uh, the UConn D2. And I, I I didn't want to make it UConn. I wanted to make A&M. I wanted people to look at our, the program that we have, the way, you know, Gina built his program, the way Moki built her program, the way Coach K built his program. I, I feel like you can make wherever you're at that it that that spot and and we're doing that right now. It's crazy. Like I look up and I say like six years ago, like that's what I wanted to happen. And now we're number four in the country in some polls and I'm like, like almost cuss, almost this, but shoot, like we're doing that. Like yeah. like we're like we're really making this it and and that belief in myself that that you know I can actually do this, man. Like it's it's one thing to say it, but it's a whole other thing to do it, man. Yeah, and I I know that there's only one way that it's happening. My complete faith and trust in, in God and and the process and believing that I'm here for a reason and believing that that He's blessed me with everything I need to be successful, man. And, and yeah. to continue to do things, I don't I don't have to fit into other people's view of, of what coaches should be, man, do things my way, man, and, and do things the way that I see is right. And, and believe in that, believe in, because, you know, when, when Pat Summit did it at, at Tennessee, she was, she did it and she did it her way and she did it her way based on her values and how she was brought up and, and all the, for the most part, you look at these elite coaches and they had influences, but at the end of the day, they did it their way. And that's what I have to do. I have to rely on, my upbringing and the people around me and I got to do it my way, man. And, and I have to be happy with me. And that's what I've learned about myself. And I can, it doesn't matter where I go or, um, who I am. I have, I, I know how the formula now, I feel like I got the formula and, and, um, I should continue to, to, because I got the formula, man. Um, you know, I think it's always nerve wracking. Like I, I know that my associate head coach, who's really, really good at his job, I know that he's going to get hired. He's going to get a head job very soon. Um, I thought to be, but missed the ball him last year. And I think anytime you lose a big piece like that, like it's like, man, that's that's scary. But I feel like now that though, when he leaves or whoever leaves, like we had major pieces leave our program, but I feel like I have the formula now. Continue to trust and believe in and myself and what we've done yeah, and I'm going to be fine. And that's, that's something that man, I didn't know who I was. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't necessarily confident in who I am. I just, you know, you get, you get focused on one or two things, man, be the best recruit you can be. It's all about getting players and this and that. Like, nah, it's, I got the former now, man, do things the right way, work your tail off, keep keeping God first, man. And the rest will take care of itself. Great stuff there, coach. Great. You know, you broke it down there real easy. We could have started and ended the podcast with that. 
I mean, <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying? Like you're talking about some real things uh, because when it comes to self-reflection and all that, sometimes we don't, you know, you talked about knowing who you were. I'm a big believer in identity. Like once you know who you are and doesn't matter what anybody says or does, it doesn't matter, you know, what results you're getting. Although it does matter at the end for your job for retaining your job. Uh, but in the big scheme of things, like once you know who you are, man, you can stay the course. And like you said, you got that formula and the, you know, the, the biggest token I took from that coach is he said, I'm going to be all right. That is, that's golden yeah. because I think all of us, there's some point in our careers where we want somebody just to hold us and say, it's going to be all right. You know, and when you can have, I, I tell you what, when you get fired, you don't know it's going to be all right. <laughs> I, I, I was on the staff that was fired. I was like, hey, I don't know what's next. But you get to a point. I think you can't get to a point until you coach for long enough. You're like, I'm going to be all right, man. Like, I, yeah. I, I know I am now. I, but it's, that's tough as a young coach. Like, yeah. first time getting fired, don't have a whole lot of money in your bank account. You're like, man, what is next? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's when you Sometimes call. you got to go through it, man. Yeah, that's when you call mom and dad like, hey, you know, you still got my room available. <laughs> Nah, I wasn't going home, man. I wasn't, I wasn't going home. I said I'm not going. I'm not going to be that guy that goes home. I got to figure it out. Man. Yeah, that's good stuff, Coach. So, hey, as we end the podcast, I really do appreciate your time, man. It's it's been great. But uh, you know, here again, self reflection, man. Like I'm a big legacy guy. Like I see the big picture. I got four kids, right? Four daughters. And uh, my mind yeah. is always about what am I leaving them? What am I doing for them right now? What decisions that I'm making right now affect their lives? And, and where and where can it lead them if I do it the wrong way? Or, or if I'm doing it the right way, where can it lead them as a good thing? So, Coach, what would you want your legacy to be when it's all said and done? Um, I, I'm I'm still figuring it out, but I I would say this, man. I, I want it to be, you know, I, I, every day I wake up and there's at the end of the day, I, I want to be able to uh, make my God proud, make my wife proud, make my son proud. And I want my son to know that that whatever it is that he wants to do, he can do it. And I want to be an example of it. And and. Uh, uh, not just in in the coaching, but how I how I treat his mom every day. Yeah. Um, how I treat how because he he's gonna see me do everything. How I treat people. How I treat my manager every day. Um, uh, how I treat my staff, and I want him to know that he can be successful. That he can be great. He can do whatever he whatever it is that he wants to do, and he can still treat people the right way. Yeah. Um, because. Everything, man, it's bigger than basketball. And I, I, I think sport, the sport is worldwide, man. And sport is something that everybody can relate to. And it's, everybody wants to be a part of whether they're a fan or they're a coach or they're a player. Everybody wants to be a part of sport, man. And it's what unifies people. And at the end of the day, you got a platform, man. It's what, are you, what are you going to do with that platform? He can be successful in whatever he wants to be successful in. And when he's successful, what are you doing with that platform? And I hope he sees me. I hope my legacy is that, you know, we won games, we won a lot of games, and we and and we graduated a lot of people. But not just is that 
bigger than basketball. He was somebody that was always helping people. He was somebody that, that wanted the people around him to be better. And he made that effort. He made an effort to do that every day. And, and that's what I hope. I hope that people say I invested in people, man, and, and I did things the right way and that people were better because they knew me or they worked for me or they, they played for me or they played against me. But people were better because of my impact on their life. That's what I hope my legacy is. Coach Burton, I, I appreciate your time, brother. I really do. I thank you for sharing your perspective and your thought, your thoughts with us. Uh, man, it was it was good. It was really, really good. I think we talked about having a certain amount of time, but man, we busted that thing wide open. And, uh, yeah, sorry and, about that. No, nah, man. Nah, man, I'm glad we did, man, because it, <laughs> it was worth every second of it. So, Coach, here again, thank you for your time. I uh, wish you nothing but – and pray for nothing but success for you the rest of the season. And uh, here again, thank you. I appreciate it, Coach. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. Know that you are appreciated. So please take the time to listen to us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. You can also follow us on Twitter at CreativeCoach47. Here again, all of this I thank you for. Please leave a rating, subscribe, follow, leave feedback. Uh, This is your platform. So, you know, take ownership of it. And here again, you are appreciated. So thank you.